A friend of mine told me once that if something happens in Utah and Texas, it'll happen throughout the rest of the country. He wasn't talking about a great business idea or something that's real innovative in broadcasting, although that could be a possibility too. He was talking about government pilot projects. Chelsea Hope was my guest. Chelsea Hope is well-connected in Utah politics, and we talked a lot about the election scandal that's happening currently in Utah at this moment. We also shifted our gears to smart cities. Now, folks, I'm not going to lie. I'm actually intrigued by the whole concept of smart cities because of my natural interest in technology. I've also been in communities where the important things are within a 20-minute walk. For example, maybe it's a 20-minute or less walk from your house to the grocery store, from your house to a park, from your house to a lake from your house to a mall or different restaurants. But we also talked about the downside and what could happen as a result of communities like this and what is likely to happen. Folks, I don't want you to take Chelsea and I's word for this. You need to do your own research. There's a lot of information that needs to be soaked up and a lot of information that you might need to wrap your head around. I'll admit, I'm still doing research at my end. But I have enough information and enough links to share with you in the show notes that'll specify that, yes, there is something to this effect. Listen to the podcast and don't just buckle up for the ride, folks. Buckle up for the ride and soak up information. Do your own research, then decide what you're going to do about it. I'm Kevin Williams, and buckle up for the ride and soak up information. Well, Chelsea, it's good to have you on the podcast. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing, Kevin? Thanks for having me on. Yeah, I first heard about you on uh, Defending Utah with Enoch Moore. And uh, folks, this is a testament. We're going to cover all the states in the Rocky Mountain that I can, whether it be Montana, Utah, Idaho, Washington. Well, part of Washington is in the Pacific Northwest, but there's part of it that I would consider to be in the Rocky Mountain West or in the Rocky Mountains, especially Eastern Washington, definitely in Inner Mountain West, uh, states like that. So, yeah, we covered Montana this Saturday. Now we're covering uh, this, you know, last Saturday we covered Montana. Now we're covering Utah. And how are things? Uh, by the way, wh wh why don't we learn a little bit about you? Where are you from originally? Uh, you know, I was born in California, but we moved to Utah when I was five. So I've I've pretty much grown up here in Utah, Utah County. But you're not a typical Californian, a California liberal. I, I I would not consider myself a California girl. No, not at all. I'm Utah all the way. <laughs> okay. So what got you into politics? Uh, you know, it started when a video here went viral. There's a man by the name of Mike Brown who lives here in Utah, and he was up at our Capitol um, advocating against a bill, and I forget which bill it was, um, but the the legislator that was chairing the committee that day did not want to hear what he had to say and so he had him arrested by highway patrol at the capitol um the whole thing was on video they he had a panic attack in the hallway they drug him down to the basement of the um capitol and would not let him see his attorney and it took months to get his um charges dropped but it was right on film when they, they they really didn't have a reason to arrest him. It's just the legislator did not want to hear what he had to say. Um, and so when they asked the officers that were arresting him, you know, why why is he being arrested? Um, they flat out said it's because he's wearing a We the People shirt. Um, that video went viral. 
I saw that video and I decided I didn't, I didn't realize things were that bad with, you know, just free speech here in Utah. So I decided to show up to the Capitol and give public comment and kind of give them a piece of my mind about that. Um, and since then, Mike and I have become close friends. Um, but I've, I've started realizing that there's a lot more corruption and a lot more, uh, not so good things going on at our Capitol. I started listening into the um, legislative sessions, um, listening to kind of some of the stuff that they wanted to bring into our schools with these mental health clinics and the people who were running these these research studies that wanted to bring these clinics in. Um, so I went home and kind of started researching who these groups were, who they were funded by, where they were coming from. And it just kind of led me on a whole rabbit hole of... Uh, <laughs> finding a lot of connections that aren't supposed to be here and, and connecting um, partnerships and kind of what we're doing here to the United Nations and the World Economic Forum. So it's kind of been a spiral ever since. Yeah. So this guy was wearing a We the People shirt. What Was yeah. We the People the podcast around back then? What year was this? No, it was just, it's just we, the people, right? Um, Not, not we are the people, which is the podcast. Oh, that okay. Me on, get, but just, okay. just, you know, we, the people, the preamble of our, um, of our founding documents, right? Just, yeah, we, the people. So Do you remember um, what legislature had him arrested or put him yes. down in the basement? I do because this particular legislator has um had a lot to do with, with things that the people aren't happy about since then. His name is Dan McKay. Um, that name his rings wife, a bell. Yeah, well, I don't know if you've heard about the flag initiative going on here, but Dan McKay is also what, the one that forced the new state flag um, illegally here. Um, there, there's, there's. Let's a lot get of, into uh, the flag initiative for those that don't know, because I don't know much. I've heard bits and pieces. Let's get into that if you don't mind. Yeah, maybe that's um, a good place to start. Yeah, there is a guy named Michael Green who's going around. I I forget what all the connections are because I've kind of let the group that's doing the flag handle the flag, but um, he's gone around and he's, he's advertising for all these kind of woke flags into the States. And really what it is, is you're going to start seeing across the nation, them wanting to redo the state, the state flags, and they're getting rid of the symbolism. They're getting rid of the history that um, in our flags, um, which, you know, one of the, one of the red flags that we see throughout history with communism and dictatorships is they erase the history, right? And this is where they bring in indoctrination, which we're seeing in our schools, undoing everything American, but really undoing everything Utah now. Um, but they want all of the states to be specific colors, um, very, very, just lines, no, no real symbols or art to it, but just kind of lines and shapes. Um, and then there's this little uh, star, um, the six point star that they want to put on all of the uh, flags, but really it's a captured flag and there is a rainbow version. So a pride month <laughs> woke version of this new, new state flag as well. But they started, they started doing, creating this new flag um, and spending a lot of taxpayer dollar, uh, tax um, payer dollars on this flag. Um, and, and the people were showing up and saying that we didn't want it. Uh, we found out later when they brought in people to, quote, unquote, design the flag. It didn't actually get di designed by people in Utah. It was this guy from California who's pushing it in all of the states um, and connected some of these bigger, you know, kind of globalist organizations. But we tried to shut this down. We didn't want it. Um, they passed the bill anyway. 
Um, and they had actually, they had already put the money into creating the flag, um, printing it, ha having it made, and they're already flying it at the Capitol and state buildings, even though it's technically not legal to be flying it till March of 2024. Um, but it's kind of a just, we're going to shove this down your throats. So we don't care what you, the people have to say kind of deal. So we are actually doing, we did a referendum. Um, so we're trying to get signatures now. Um, in order to put it on the ballot so that the people can vote for it instead. So if you know friends in Utah or anyone in Utah is listening to this, um, you can go to, uh, I think it's Restore Utah State Flag on Facebook. There's a group you can figure out where to go to sign the petition and help us gather signatures um, just to put it on the ballot to let the people decide instead. What is the current flag? I, I so I guess the new Utah flag doesn't go into effect till March of twenty twenty four, correct? It's not supposed to, but it's already flying. Yeah, already got it yeah, flying. Like, yeah. Okay. So what is the okay, so we'll just say technically current. What does the current flag look like for those that don't know? Um it's we've got all kinds of people listening to the podcast throughout the Rocky Mountain West and probably beyond, but go ahead. Yeah, it's just kind of a, a zigzaggy stripe of blue and white. It's supposed to represent supposedly a mountain. Um, and then there's like a little diamond inside with a beehive inside. Before we had, you know, the eagle, we had uh, the American flag. We had things representing America. We had, um, there was a specific flower in there that when the, you know, most people know that Utah, there's a lot of, you know, LDS Mormon Mormon yeah. people here, but when the pioneers came across the plant, th this was a flower that they used a lot. Um, I'm trying to remember all of the things in there. I, ca I can't think of them off the top of my head, but there's a lot of stuff in there that represents Utah. The year that um, Utah was founded, uh, the year that we went on to the flag as the 45th state, um, a lot of, you know, history there. They've completely gotten rid of all of that. Um, and it it's basically just a zigzag zigzaggy lines that are supposed to represent a mountain and then there's a little hexagon in the middle with a beehive in the middle and that's it and then we've got the little six point star um that they want they want on all the state flags as well okay so wow so the legislature got this passed i guess and governor cox i assume signed it oh yeah oh, okay yeah. and do you know what percentage of the people voted for and against this flag or not? Um, most as from what I saw, and I, I don't know if it's just because I'm biased or not, because I don't want the new flag. Um yeah. from what I saw, most people did not want it. There was very strong representation giving public comment. But I guess do you know the percentage of the legislators that vote how much how many Democrats oh, yeah. Um I'm trying to remember who voted for it and who didn't, but most of them voted for it. Most of them voted for it. It was a pretty high percentage. Okay. Yeah. So, all right. So we've got another issue going down in Utah right now. Uh, we're going to talk about the election and then we're going to discuss smart cities. There's a big controversy going on about the election, although I haven't heard much about it. Um, except the last time I looked, I haven't heard much about it since last week, but basically Celeste Malloy won the nominee at the convention. Now, for those of you that don't know how this works, 
Utah's a little bit different. There's There was a Republican convention going on, and Greg Hughes was supposed to be the nominee for District 2. Mm-hmm. And but uh, the reason for this is Chris Stewart resigned. What was the, what is the reason he resigned? We're hearing health reasons. Do, do you was there a deeper reason for that? Because I know we're being told his wife has health reasons, but what is there a you deeper? Know, Utah, it's very difficult to say because we have had legislators, amazing legislators who love our constitution, who have have tried to fight for us, and they have been threatened. Um. One of our legislators here, Steve Christiansen, stepped down and resigned. Um, reason being is because his grandkids were physically threatened. Um, we do have a lot of, I've been told by some legislators that I trust that we've got a lot of backdoor meetings going on with the governor and only a few select legislators who are, are invited. And when you look into these legislators, they're connected to, you know, the United Nations and and other you know globalist groups that we don't want here in utah um i'm so sorry kevin i just totally lost my train of thought remind me what we were talking about here so chris stewart he congressman yes we were, i'm sorry we're told, so- <laughs> uh, we're told that he resigned for health reasons yeah uh, his wife had health reasons but is there a right. deeper reason i don't doubt so, that so- that's part of the reason but is it deeper Right. So that um, where I was going with that, I'm sorry, I trailed off, but we know that we've got people being threatened to step down. There's a lot of not so great situations going on here um, with people being physically threatened. So I don't know. Uh, we were told publicly that it's because his wife is ill and he needs to step down to take care of her. But um, I can't say with 100 percent certainty that I, you know, I believe or know that that's the reason or not. Okay, so where are the boundaries? It's District 2, isn't it, that is being represented? Or is it 3? I can't remember. Yes, yeah, it's, uh, yes, it's District 2. Okay, that's what I thought. District 2 is, now, What do you know what the boundaries are for District 2? Oh, it's a pretty big district. Um, it's It's mostly the southwestern side of the state, like the southwestern corner. Which is um, what? Oh, gosh. It splits. It goes down from like Washington County and like where St. George is up towards. It doesn't quite reach into Orem, but up near Provo. Um, it goes up the western side of the state. Um, I'm trying to remember right where it cuts off. I'm in the third district, so I can't remember exactly where those boundaries are. But it's a pretty good portion size of the state. We're split into four districts. So it's, okay. it's basically the reason this- I asked the boundaries, because uh, Greg Hughes, who is mm-hmm. in the legislature, was supposed to run for congressman. And then people made a big deal about, oh, he doesn't live in our district. My understanding is Greg Hughes just lives a few miles outside of the district. So he must not live very far. He must maybe live in Orem or something, I'm guessing. That's a good question. I actually hadn't heard that. If yes. that's true, I didn't know that. Yes. Now, the the thing is, though, is there's nowhere in the Constitution that says you have to live in the district. I'm right. talking the Utah Constitution, right. which I find a little odd because I would think that they would want someone living in the district. Right. Uh, so um, I can understand the big deal that everybody made. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's like you have to be at least 18. There's like three things, I think. 
I think and one like of those things is that uh, you cannot. Well, I don't know if this is. I well, I know it's written in the Constitution of Utah that you cannot file the day after you were the nominee. So if right. you were the nominee, let's say June twelfth, you couldn't file on the thirteenth. Right. However, uh, and and just to back up a little bit here, by the way. Uh, for those of you that want to look this up, this is code. Uh, let me see here. I wrote this down. Hold on, folks. Okay. This is Utah code 10A-9-201, parentheses 1. I know that's a long number. Let me read that again. 20A as an apple dash 9 dash two zero one parentheses one uh it, it basically says that you cannot be the nominee if you are not registered to vote and you have to register to vote in order to be in the nominee you cannot file the day after well celeste malloy filed three days later after she was the nominee now what happened is jordan hess said, oh, I live in the district, and I don't know exactly what happened. Jordan Hess, it looks like he was going to lose, so he backed out at the last minute and said, oh, Celeste Malloy is a good candidate. So my understanding, the majority of people got behind Celeste Malloy. Well, we didn't realize she didn't live in the district, and she filed three days later because the election mm -hmm. office of Utah let her know that because she was in Virginia. To make things more complicated, Celeste Malloy registered to vote i'm assuming absentee back in 2016 am i correct yeah she didn't my understanding is that she did not vote in the last two elections is what that's she true said. yeah no she didn't but i did hear that she re registered to vote in 2016 mm -hmm. supposedly <laughs> well yeah we're hearing then, all sorts of stuff but it's really hard to verify a lot of it well, I heard this on Eric Mutzo's channel, and he read okay. a letter, so I think it's pretty accurate. Yeah, Eric knows, and Eric Eric's a pretty good um, um bet as to what's going on, so I, yeah, I would trust what Eric has to say. Yeah, so for those of you that don't know, Eric Mutzos has a Facebook page called Utah Revival, and he also has a Rumble channel. I don't know what the Rumble channel is, but on that Rumble channel, he interviewed Celeste Malloy. That, no, that is in the show notes, by the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so anyway, she Celeste Malloy registered to vote in 2016 as a Republican. Or she registered as a Republican. Then in 2019, the state gave her a notice because she was living in Virginia at this time, gave her a notice that her voting was inactive because she hasn't voted for a while, apparently. And in right. 2023, <laughs> they removed her voting status. And so, uh, so here's Celeste Malloy files and she says, and she said, uh, or the election office, I guess, sent her a notification that she had to file. So she did three days later. Here's the problem. Yeah. Not only is it against the Utah constitution for this kind of behavior, yeah. but this actually happened. And I didn't know this until 2000, uh, this, this happened once in 2017. Did you know that? I didn't. Not I did with not Celeste Malloy, different person. This is according to, 
an article in the Salt Lake Tribune. Now, you and I may disagree, but I actually find the Tribune better than the Deseret News, personally. It seems like you they know what? do... I- I will 100% absolutely agree with you, actually. A lot of people think the yeah. Deseret News is a conservative paper. It's not. They're all sold out here. And to be fair, at least sometimes the Tribune is fair. <laughs> not sure. not most of the time, not, but sometimes they are. Here's the problem I have. Yeah, I, I have to admit, I know it's not cool for a conservative to like the Salt Lake Tribune, but if I want to know what's going on in Salt Lake, yeah, hands down, <laughs> I'll go to the Tribune. Yeah, they report the facts. Now, they twist their opinions of why you should like it or not, but they they do report the facts. Yeah, and I think they've got a great staff over there. I I mean, I haven't met them personally, but just their writing is awesome. Uh, In fact, if I want to know what's going on in the legislature, I'll go to the Tribune. Here's the problem I have with the Deseret News. The Deseret News, at least the times I have been there, writes a lot of fluff. Oh, so-and-so won in a sporting event. Oh, uh, so-and-so's mom did this. Or uh, right. Katie Maurer of BYU is on the drill team. She's a Calgarette, and her brother plays for the University of Utah. They're going right. to hug each other during the rivalry game, before the game. Who cares? <laughs> Who cares? Yeah. I mean, that's right. great if you're Katie Maurer's family member or whatever, but I don't care. <laughs> I don't know Katie Maurer at all. This is, I'm referring to an article back in 2008, by the way. Right. Yeah, and, and uh, it hasn't changed. Right. No, I, I completely agree. And they do, if you want, it's like you said, if you want to know what's going on, go look up the Salt Lake Tribune. Now, they're, they're going to call certain things conspiracy theories or they're going yes. to try to you know, almost do a hit piece on people that don't deserve it. I mean, they they do try to manipulate and twist your view of the facts, but they do give you the facts and tell you what's going on. They do do that. Yeah, they do. And uh, when they say right-wing conspiracy or whatever, I just ignore it. I, right. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> um, the Tribune was talking about, because uh, remember, Jason Chaffetz stepped down in 2017. Do you remember that? Mm-hmm. I do, and I'm not 100% sure of all the details of that, but I have heard Well, it's like you said, he got a lot of death threats. Okay, And I'm sure that this is happening all over the country. I don't think it's just Utah. I'm sure it's happening everywhere, don't you think? Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure it is. I think Utah is getting picked on because it's a big state, and it's mostly members of the Church of Jesus Christ, Latter-day Saints, people, the outsiders. What are you doing? Right. Uh, so anyway, Chris, uh, uh, Jason Chaffetz steps down, uh, resigns during his term. A person named Tanner Ainge signed up to be the nominee. He did not get it, but he was he qualified. And then three days later, he was able to secure the nominee. And the election office did the same thing to him. Oh, you've got, and so he filed to register to vote the day after. Now the Tribune actually said this didn't matter because it was five. It didn't. He he didn't wait for five days. Well, Celeste Belay didn't wait for five days either. So I don't know. It sounds like there's a lot of finagling, a lot of shenanigans. What what do you think of this? And what's your take? Do you have any updates? So one of the things that I did find out is shortly before that, um, they had changed, they had changed the rules so that instead of sending two candidates forward, um, 
for the election, they only sent one. So Hughes actually did get quite a bit of the popular vote at the GOP convention um, from the delegates. And what did happen was Jordan Hess got a lot of the votes as well. Malloy comes out of nowhere, some you know lawyer from D.C. that nobody knows. Uh, apparently she lives in Virginia, but then she was living in D.C. and she used her sister's address to register here. Um, but she works in Nevada and pays taxes in Nevada. And nobody can quite figure out really where where did she come from? Who is she? Nobody trusts her. <laughs> uh, but Jordan Hess came in and um, uh, basically endorsed her last minute. And instead of having Hughes and Malloy go through, they had changed the rules I think it was like two weeks before to only one candidate being able to go through. So rather than having Hughes also be able to go through at this point, it's only Malloy now. And a lot of people are really upset about that. Um, like you said, she did file late. Um, she keeps we, we keep asking her, you know, why do you morally think that this is OK? And instead of answering the question, she just keeps deflecting to, well, you know, the lieutenant governor who we believe is involved in election fraud. Um, and the, the state legislature said that it's fine. Well, they didn't. The state legislature never said that it was OK. They only said the only way to resolve this at this point is through the courts. The people you guys are going to have to go through the courts. Um, so nobody's actually said that this is OK. We can't get any straight answers. There's a lot of deflection. Um, but the biggest thing is she's just kind of come out of nowhere. No one knows who she is and why she's here. Uh, Apparently, she doesn't even pay taxes here. <laughs> and we we have a lot of concerns. We don't know. I mean, I mean, she's a, D a lawyer in D.C. She has a lot of connections on a federal level and and people are really concerned um, about her being here and, and really what what's going on. So, uh, well, uh, apparently uh, Celeste went to BYU Law School. I'd like to see her records. I, I don't doubt right. she did, but it'd be nice to see the records. Right. Um, I believe her, but, you know, it's nice to verify. And then, uh, well, I heard the interview with Eric Mutzos and Eric, whenever Eric would ask her about being in the state of Utah, she would always refer to the election office because they're the ones that told her that, yes, she can run. So, yeah, I now I want to sidetrack a little bit here. A lot of people consider Mitt Romney a carpetbagger. I don't consider Mitt Romney a carpetbagger. I am not a fan of Mitt Romney. Here is why I don't think he's a carpetbagger. We know that Mitt Romney lived in the state of Utah, and we know he went to BYU. Right. We also know that he was very tied. I don't know so much about now, but he was very tied in the LDS culture. So he was a bishop in Boston, Massachusetts. I know Boston's very different from Utah, but still, Mitt Romney is very tied to the Utah culture, and he also came back to do the Olympics, to be in charge of the Olympics because of all those shenanigans back in two thousand, uh, back in ninety nine to two thousand one, whatever it was. And so Mitt Romney comes in and straightens the whole thing out. So I don't consider Mitt Romney a carpetbagger. In fact, if you want to call somebody a carpetbagger. I don't want to say for certain because we still don't know the facts. It's It appears, and I want to say appears, that Celeste Malloy might be the carpetbagger. What do you think? Right. I think I'm in agreement with you there. I, there's a lot of things about Mitt Romney I do not like. And yeah, at I least do not with support Mitt Romney, him. we know where he was. We know where he came mm -hmm. from. 
Right. Yeah. yeah. She just kind of came out of nowhere and, and everybody's wondering who is this? What is her interest in Utah? You know, um, with some of the, you know, connections federally, what, why does she want to be here right now? And it's, it's really concerning. Um, you know, and the other thing is, you know, they, they allowed, they passed SB 54, which is one thing you guys will want to look out for in the other states is where they allowed the um, signature gathering. So instead of, you know, the normal nominations and all the other things that, that you normally would have to go through um, to get on the ballot. Um, they've they've passed, basically, if you have a lot of money, you can buy your way onto the ballot. You can pay signature gathers, and it's like, I think it's like $50 per hour. I mean, it's a lot of money, but you can pay people to gather signatures, get enough signatures, and you can just get onto the ballot. So all this hard work that all the other, you know, um, nominees, the the other people that are running have done that don't have the money to do this, all of a sudden we can, we can buy our way onto the ballot. And I, so there's, there's a lot of weird things, you know, the getting rid of two candidates and, and just letting one go through all these rules that they're passing last minute. Do you know why Jordan it has stepped down at the last minute? Up and a lot of people are really uneasy. About it. Yeah. Do you know why um, Jordan? My oh, understanding I, I don't know because I wasn't there, but my understanding from some of the delegates that were there was it looked like he wasn't going to take the the win, if I'm understanding correctly. Um, this, the vote was kind of split, and so he just kind of stepped down and said that he endorsed Malloy. Well, I wonder. Um, I think at that point, all this. Oh, go ahead. Uh, no, it just it kind of pushed her through to that top spot. Well, the other thing oh. that makes me suspicious and ought to make anybody in Utah suspicious. Supposedly. um, Supposedly, Chris Stewart told Celeste Malloy that she would be good for the job, because apparently Celeste was upset that he was resigning and really let him have it and chris stewart supposedly said well why don't you run for the job and to make a long story short she did so supposedly uh, there's a lot of things being said that that yeah. i um i don't know we, we just know we're being told well let but me ask you this do you think the legislature that's the will... case or not yeah, well, do you think that the legislature will actually take it to court and make a judge decide that's going to take forever and ever and ever no, no, I don't. They've proven over and over and over our state legislature that they do not care about the will of the people. They have blatantly done things um, against against what it is that we're saying we want we want over and over. Um, no, I, I don't think that they will that they, they will take it that far. Okay, so it's just another example of the corruption in Utah. By the way, speaking of the corruption in Utah, Let's talk about smart cities. Yeah. Uh, Governor Cox, um, Governor Cox was confronted on this issue. And he didn't take it too well, did he? Why don't you go into that? Yeah. Uh, so I, I think it was the last February. I'm trying to feel like forever ago now. Uh, Jason Preston had actually ran for um, the congressional district as as well. Roger Stone actually came down and endorsed him. Um, and he lost, but he he decided to start a, a podcast and and kind of start an organization to 
you know, keep the fight going in another way. Um, and he had me on his podcast and we did an episode on, uh, you know, smart cities and the 15 minute city that they are building here in Utah. And it's one, it's called the point. It's where the old Draper prison was ironically. Um, but we did an episode on that though. The world economic forum is now since, since then done an article praising the point saying that it should be used as a model for the 15 minute smart city across the nation and a great example of how we are getting rid of private vehicles and moving to public transit. Um, but we did this episode um, and Jason actually caught Spencer Cox at the GOP convention. Um, Cox had walked past his booth and he, he just, you know, politely asked him a question. Hey, what, what do you think about the smart cities um, and, and the point up at the point of the mountain? And Cox blew up on him. Uh, he started really aggressively, you know, tapping him, telling him not to make up uh, all sorts of conspiracy theory, but he got very aggressive. He said that there's no such thing as a smart city to stop making stuff up about him. Got really aggressive and just kind of bullying him, and then he took off. Um, after that, shortly after that, the Salt Lake Tribune came out and kind of did a hit piece on us, um, on Jason and I. Um, they showed the video of Spencer Cox and Jason's interaction together. Anybody can go watch it. Uh, they tried to say that Jason got you know, physical with him and ambushed him. And it's very clearly not the case when you watch the video. Um, but they linked our our video to the, the 15 Minute City episode that we had done. Um, and just, you know, obviously tried to make it sound like we were conspiracy theorists. And uh, Brian Schott, one of the uh, writers for the Salt Lake Tribune, um, has, has shared some of my public comments on his Twitter thread in the past. And he's, he kind of reshared them and was mocking me for being an expert on 15 minute cities so um yeah that was kind of the interaction that happened with with them ironically spencer cox saying that there's no such thing as a smart city and that we're making up lies about him i don't know why he got so defensive and lied about it if he didn't have anything to hide but in 2019 he actually spoke at utah ignite um it was a smart city luncheon about smart cities and not only does he want smart cities in the state of utah which we you know there's there's valid there's uh, plentiful evidence that we have smart cities all over the state, but he said that he wanted Utah to become the first border border to border smart state in the nation. So he's talking about this in 2019. Jason just asked him asks him a question. You know, what are your thoughts on the smart cities? Uh, you'd think that he would respond with his side of the story. Jason asked him to come on the show and you know give his interpretation inside of what those are. Um, but no, he blew up at Jason and got very aggressive and defensive and flat out lied about that they even exist or knowing, knowing that they exist. So that was kind of that interaction there. Yeah. By the way, the confrontation that you're talking about happened April 22nd of this year. I just looked it up. Uh, for those yes. of you keeping tracks of track of dates and things like that. And I guess this yes. happened at a convention. I yeah. I can't believe it's, I can't believe it's been that long. It it feels like a couple weeks ago. Time's oh, flying okay. by this year. <laughs> yeah, and I saw that video. There's a I yeah, uh, and his face was on the flyer of that particular luncheon. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, we have the uh, video, the recording of him talking yeah. at that luncheon. I've got to admit, Chelsea, I I have a dirty confession to make. <laughs> There's a part of me that's very fascinated with smart cities because I'm big into technology. And mm -hmm. obviously, me being a blind person, I benefit tremendously from technology. So I've got to say, 
there's a part of me that wants to go into a smart city just to check it out. Right. But I also have concerns what I've been reading. So it's a, it's a double-edged sword. Why don't you uh, enlighten us all about this? Yeah. So, and, and, you know, and I agree, there's a lot of really cool things with technology. A lot of things that I really, I like, um, and I think would be, you know, fun what's coming down the line as well. The, the thing with, you know, obviously with technology and I like to relate it to guns, right? Guns are not good or bad themselves. They don't kill people. People kill people. Technology is not good or bad. There's a lot of good that we've seen come from technology. Um, <clears throat> and I think that, you know, it's it's important that we continue to progress, uh, you know, even in, in the medical industry and all these industries where we have all this technology, great technology that's been helpful. The problem is, is who is in control of that technology and what do they want to do with it? And the biggest problem that I'm finding, like with Utah, we have a lot of these public-private partnerships and um, connections to the World Economic Forum and United Nations. Uh, the World Economic Forum is very embedded here in Utah. They're uh, they're ushering in a lot of pilot programs into Utah, which then Utah turns around and makes agreements and contracts with other states to usher into the other states. So, um, like I said, one of the things with uh, the point that we had talked about earlier. So we have we have 15 minute cities and then we have smart cities. Um, not every 15 minute city is a smart city, um, but they are basically the framework of all the 15 minute cities that we're seeing are smart cities as well. So I'll explain what those are. But we have Utah basically saying that we want to usher in the World Economic Forum's Fourth Industrial Revolution. And when you listen to Noah Harari, he's a Klaus Schwab is the founder and CEO of the World Economic Forum. And if you guys don't know who these who who this group is, the World Economic Forum, it's it's like a global private public partnership. Basically, I would I would absolutely look them up. Um, look at the recordings on YouTube of the things that they talk about in, in Davos, um, cause it is terrifying. They talk about the way that they're going to use technology to basically be God themselves and digital dictatorships. And they are very much for communism and dictatorships. Now, and can you find the, this at worldeconomicforum.com or .org? You, or? you can. Yep. Um, it's WEF, I believe it is .org. Okay. Um, and you can also go to YouTube and just look up Klaus Schwab or Noah Harari or Davos and listen to the things that they're saying, right? So yeah. these are the guys that we have partnered with in Utah that are helping to build these smart cities. Now, the smart city is basically what they're doing is they are they're starting with the affordable housing. We're hearing about that a lot. <laughs> but this high density affordable housing, that is being done through something called opportunity zones. And there's zones of opportunity. This is a multi-billion dollar industry. And it's an initiative that was started by the Rockefeller Foundation. So the Rockefellers. Um, in Rockefeller's own white papers, he has teamed up with the Sorensen Impact Center through Utah to usher in opportunity zones. Now, our governor has teamed up directly with the Sorensen Impact Center as well. So they've basically teamed up with Rockefeller directly for the affordable housing. And what they're doing is they're turning all the, the affordable housing, which we, I mean, when you look at it, it's not affordable. You don't even own it. Um, your, your taxpayer dollars are going to building it, but then you have to turn around and rent um, from the developers on top of it. It's it's really not that affordable. Um, but these homes are are being directed towards 
building them as smart homes. Everything is smart, smart appliances. Um, they're, they're connecting now to the smart water meters and the smart energy. Now, with the smart energy meters, they've already done this in Colorado, in Denver, Colorado. In the middle of the summer, um, I think it was like a 90 degree day to conserve energy. They locked their thermostats on them. They went in and locked their thermostats so they couldn't, they didn't have any air conditioning. So, and that's part of the problem that we're seeing is where it's government regulated and it's regulated by these public-private partnerships where you have stakeholders and developers and you know all these stakeholders in partnership with government that, that ends up running it. And then when you see that they're partnered with the World Economic Forum, that gets very scary. In China, um, if you don't, if you're not vaccinated or, or because they hadn't taken their last um, PCR test, there was a video that went viral that none of them could scan the QR code to get into their apartments. So into their smart home apartments, um, they couldn't get in. They were all sleeping out on the street um, because they were digitally, they, they don't have physical keys anymore. Everything is smart and digital. And that's part of this Green New Deal that we hear Biden talking about. It really is to make everything electric and digital. And Noah Harari with the World Economic Forum says that you cannot have communism and you cannot have dictatorships without electrification because this is how they, they can shut you off to anything at any point. Um, so, and that's our, our, our state treasurer here, actually, Marlo Oaks, he's been on with Tucker Carlson. He's been on a lot of the, uh, national news stations, but he's fighting the big banks here and he's warning people about ESG. And I don't know, I think ESG is finally getting a little bit more well-known out there. I don't know how many of your audience members know about it, but it stands for environmental social governance. And when you look at the framework of the point or the 15 minute city I was talking about earlier in Utah, um, when you look at that framework, it says that they are going to build ESG into the smart city within the 15. That is the, the framework. So it's basically the, you know, the zero carbon, zero emissions, which is impossible. Um, but zero, they, they want to start um, giving us carbon credits. So as long as we have like carbon credits, we'll be allowed to do certain things, or we might be able to fly, take a short, short, um, flight once every three years, right? As long as you have carbon credits to do certain things. Um, but basically it's a social credit score like you have in China. You're not doing what the government says is, is socially or environmentally acceptable and your score goes up or down. And depending on your score, you get shut off to privileges. So part of, you've got, you see them getting locked out of their smart homes. The other thing is this reinvestment zone. So Utah has just passed a law forcing all the cities to invest in reinvestment zones where it's basically this high density to moderate income um, affordable housing and connected to all of it is the transit hub and pushing this mass. And like you mentioned, the um, rapid transit system. Now, again, the transit is all is great, except for when you look at the framework of the point in the cities that they're building here, they are all focused on making public transit um basically the focus and moving from not just, you know, cars to electric vehicles, but moving from private vehicles to only public transit. They want to get rid of private property ownership. They want you renting from the government, you know, these affordable smart homes, and they want you reliant on the government to travel and they're getting rid of private vehicles. So that is kind of where these reinvestment zones with the affordable housing. And, and from there, they build out the smart city, right? So everything is digital. Everything is connected. You've got the smart water meters, the smart energy meters, which we already have seen them 
um, exercise that abuse of authority where they shut shut those off. So if you can be shut off to water or energy at any point because you're not behaving, um, these are the things that they're ushering in and this is how are they are building the cities. Uh, one of the things that they're doing, they just passed HB 125 in Utah, which is an electrification bill and it's electrifying our everything. So our um, airplanes, they want all electric airplanes, unmanned airplanes, which I think is absolutely ridiculous. How dangerous is that if, you know, the grid goes down or we have a blackout and everything that's electric shuts off and we have unmanned um, planes, um, the the transit system. So we've got the buses and, and the transit, but they want to switch our freight, our rail lines and freight all to electric. They want all of our, our truckers are not happy because they want all trucks um trucking to go electric, which is insane. Um, but when you look at Utah did a partnership with, it's called Aspire and Stadler to basically make our roads charging systems themselves for these electric public transit systems. Um, so they will, they will, the roads will charge themselves. And when you look at who we partnered with here in Utah, Stadler is one of the companies. Now, Jake Anderegg is one of our legislators here. And he took a trip to Switzerland. And this is where, you know, this is the center of, of Davos, where the World Economic Forum meets. Um, but apparently he ran into some long lost cousin relative um, who's part of the Swiss parliament over there, who is, this is, who brought Stadler here. So they brought Stadler here and they've partnered up to electrify our entire system in our state uh, transport system. And when you look at the board of Stadler, all of the board members are either current or former Swiss parliament members. So they're building our infrastructure here. They own our infrastructure here. We also have the Associated Press did an investigation into Utah, the Utah State Legislature, and they found that we have very close ties with the Chinese Communist Party here in Utah. And that Utah legislators were intentionally delaying legislation that would uh, make the communist party unhappy and they're allowing for communist foreigners to come in and lobby for policy uh, very communistic type policies um come to our capital and basically lobby for policy and they're passing these bills for these people so these are the people that are here in utah who are building this system out um so you've got the transit what happens when you digitally you know your score is not high enough and now they've gotten rid of private vehicles and we're reliant on this public transit system, well, if your score is not high enough, you can't scan onto the system to travel. Um, you can't scan into your smart homes, your energy or your water gets shut off, your you know, digital wallet with the CBDC, this digital currency coming out. Um, when everything's digital and you can't pay in cash where the government isn't tracking you know, every last thing that you spend your money on. I mean, they they tried to pass a bill here that thankfully didn't pass, but it, it will come back because one of the things that we're noticing in Utah is if it doesn't get passed in a bill, they push it through in a pilot program, and then they just keep extending the sunset date. That's how ranked choice voting came here. And everyone wants to say Utah loves it, but we hate it. Um, but they wanted to pass a bill where they could shop, the government could get access to our food history and uh, have a have a list of, of all of our shopping and food history, what we're spending our, our money on food-wise. I mean, these things are none of their business, um, but these are the bills that they're trying to pass. Um, so... Yeah, th this is the whole smart system. And what they do is they connect it to the Internet of Things. So everything is connected to the Internet. 
Um, and then you've got all of your wearable devices, right? Your smart watches and all of your little smart gadgets that that connects connect to the but you will basically be everything in your life, your money, your your education, your shopping history, um, your ability to travel or even get into your home. All of this is going to be connected to this digital system, which they can control. One of the things that we're frustrated with is, you know, sure, some of these things are great. And if you want to opt, if, if certain people want to live in these smart cities, then, you know, constitutionally, they should have the right to. The problem comes where those of us who don't want to opt into these systems, we're, we're a little bit uh, worried about who is in control of some of these systems. Um, there is no option to opt out. It's all mandatory. Uh, the last thing that they passed this last session and they pushed it through last minute, we spent the last two years getting this bill shut down, fighting it. They know we do not want it. Um, HB 470 uh, basically passed a mandatory a pilot program for a mandatory digital ID. Um, that is kind that of actually last passed. It did pass. Yes. Wow. And it, it's, okay. it's not only the ID, but it's also having all of our records go digital and having all of our digital records through the blockchain connected through our ID. So now everything, you know, everything about us are if they pass this shopping history bill next session, our education, our, you know, where we're spending money, how much water we're using, everything about us, all of our records, our health records, um, They've, they've created something called a Utah Citizens Portal, and I have recordings from this meeting, which are absolutely terrifying. These people talked about how uh, when COVID-19 happened, it was very easy to fake vaccine passports, and it's going to be a lot harder to do it with this digital system. So they want your health records, everything digital on about you connected to your digital ID, which is connected to your bank records and everything else, right? So you implement ESG, the social credit score, and we are living in communist China because they can shut you off to anything at any point. Um, the When you look at the framework of the point, this 15, now the 15 minute city, that's a smart city. 15 minute city means that everything in your city is within walking distance. So you've got in most of these um cities that are being developed, the infrastructure shows that the housing kind of sits in the center. And then you have these hubs, you have your outdoor recreation area, uh, you have your learning area, you know, these education systems, which the United Nations is very much so involved with. Um, they will be running those education hubs. And they're the ones that are pushing the pornography, the transgender, the critical race theory into our kids schools right now, all this indoctrination going on. They're the ones that are pushing that. Now, they'll they'll be very involved with the education hubs in these 15 minute cities. Um, your work, they want you working within 15 minute cities of where you, I'm sorry, 15 minutes of where you live. So basically everything's within a 15 minute walking distance and they are narrowing the roads. Uh, they are getting rid of roadways for private vehicles to make room for, you know, like the electric scooters, everything that's Kind of run by the government that you'll rent, um, but and and the transit system, um, and then you have these boundaries and these districts within your 15-minute city. Now in Oxfordshire in England, they have Oxford. I think has a hundred um, hours and um, or days, and I think Oxfordshire has 25. But they have these permits where basically in Oxfordshire, 25 days out of the year, they are allowed to drive through and leave their 15 minute city boundaries. If they go through their boundaries, uh, they have, you know, they've set up license plate scanners to scan their 
their plates. Originally, you know, they, they, the people there kind of outcried, they were against it. And they said, we, you know, because they are, they're doing these climate lockdowns, which I'll talk about in just a minute. Um, but they didn't want to be locked down into their cities. And the, the city council came out and said, you know, this is a conspiracy theory. We're not going to be locking you into your cities. It's just, it's just a fine. There's no physical barriers. It's just, we scan your license plate and there's all these cameras and surveillance and radar and um, we'll send you a fine in the mail. Well, now the electric gates are going up um, and they have announced that in 2024, they will start doing climate lockdowns. And it's okay if you're locked down into your city because you have everything you need is within 15 minutes. Everything smart that they can shut off. Um, basically what they've come out and said is, uh, during COVID-19, and we saw in Australia, I have friends in Australia, and they FaceTimed me, and I would I saw the helicopters, you know, planes above uh, above their houses, and I'm like, what are, what are they doing out there? They are making sure, they said, that we are in our houses. During the COVID lockdowns, we're not allowed to even go in our backyards. We have to stay inside our houses, and they had helicopters and drones monitoring this. This was um, in Australia? This was in Australia. It got very bad in Australia. Um, and I have friends there that, you know, I have friends who, you know, I lost to suicide because it got so bad out there. Um, but what they've come out and said now is we saw carbon rates, the, the carbon emissions, <laughs> greenhouse go down during COVID because everyone was locked into their homes. So we need to repeat these lockdowns every two years to get the, the carbon in the atmosphere to go down because, you know, this green new deal, climate change. Um, so now not only are they using the COVID, they're basically what they want to do is do these climate lockdowns where everyone's locked into the cities or into the homes, and they're going to need to repeat these lockdowns every few years to get the, you know, climate change and the, our, our carbon down, basically. How long would these lockdowns last? What was that? How long would these lockdowns last? Well, that's, they don't say, they don't say. Oh, wow. They just want to start doing these um, experimental climate lockdowns. Um, in Australia during COVID, they were locked in their homes for months. They were not allowed to go outside months. Um, so it's this is kind of where so now Oxfordshire is is they're putting up the electric electric gates. Um, they're more and more and this is this is part of the thing again in Utah all throughout our framework. Um, the Utah Department of Transportation um has basically we have a, a you know zero fatalities zero injuries on the road which is great but again not possible anytime you see zero there's an alternative agenda because it's just not possible zero carbon emissions is not possible um zero fatalities on the road is not possible and they admit that and further down in their paperwork they say um we will have to eliminate human error to reach this goal so they're going to force all vehicles and all to be autonomous so it'll be where they're you know it's connected to the google drive system you won't have independence to drive where you want and up the canyon anymore it's going to be um it's going to be this autonomous system uh but yeah they all of our our paperwork and framework in utah for these cities is to more and more make it they call them walkable communities or walkable cities or you'll hear 5 10 15 or 20 minute cities um, pedestrian friendly cities where, you know, there's more people walking on the roads. And so they're slowly narrowing 
the roads to make it more convenient and more walkable. Um, and also, you know, to help with climate change, they're narrowing the roads more and more, and they're slowly pushing us from having private vehicles to the public transit system. And I mean, this whole system, again, when you look at who is in bed with this, we have China here, we have the Swiss parliament here, we have, um, you know, our governor and certain public officials stating that they want to usher in the uh, fourth industrial revolution that is being pushed by the uh, World Economic Forum, and you know who these people are and, and the things that they talk about wanting these digital dictatorships, it starts to paint a very different picture and get very scary. So again, technology is great, and I, and I don't see a way of getting, you know, getting rid of it. But at the same time, when we look at who's controlling these systems, and they're making it mandatory, and, you know, the, the digital ID is mandatory now, the federal government we know wants to make this digital currency mandatory um, and there's no opt-out option and all of a sudden it becomes you know more of a dictatorship where they're telling you what to do and how and when you can travel that starts to get very scary so those are those are my biggest concerns with the smart city and these 15-minute cities um, but they are uh, one of the things is this free broadband that they're pushing the solar panels for free by the federal government. Well, now they're also saying that they need to block the sun. Um, so they're they're spraying particles that reflect solar radiation back into space. Well, your solar panels are going to stop working so well. And what they'll do is they're going to come out and basically say that you need to plug into their electric grid, you know, solar system. And you're going to get so many credits for that, but you're going to have to share and they'll be able to shut you off to all of that whenever they want as well. So uh it's been a very, they've been very patient. It's been very methodical. They've done these things step by step. And that's, that's part of this as well is, is the normalization and conditioning us to think that this is normal little by little. Because if they tried to do all of this 10 years ago at once, people would be in an uproar. Um, but now, you know, with the climate change and the energy, you know, this big crisis, they're using this, um, but they've done it little by little, which has normalized and conditioned us to thinking that this is you know, it's just normal. It's just the next step in advancement. And it's, it's really scary to see where this is headed. Um, I'm, I'm really, I'm, I'm really concerned. So where did you get the information about these electric planes? And uh, this is you, in the I bills. Guess... I read during general legislative session, I try to read through as many bills as I can. So I've read it. I've read the bills myself. Um, wow. And a lot of this is in the um, their own paperwork. You can go to, you know, the Utah Department of Transportation or go to the point, which is funny because it on Google Maps, when you looked at the point, it would pull up 15 minute city, which is a, a World Economic Forum agenda. Um, they're doing these initiatives throughout all the states and throughout the globe. Um, but ever since that video with Jason and Spencer Cox went viral, they've they've removed that. Um, but it's it's all you can go to the point and their website and just download all their own document. I mean, it's right there. The point. Um, but they know com, that the, uh, when you say the point, are you talking about the point of the mountain or the point? The it's where the old Draper prison was. So uh, okay. yeah. Um, but that's what they're calling this 15 minute city here. They're calling it the point. Um, and this is what I'm the the one where I'm talking about that the framework is um to build ESG and smart cities into the 15 minute city here and to get rid of private vehicles. Um, it's all in their own paperwork straight from their own websites. Um, what uh, the bills also passed in uh, 
And you see this in China, right? Um, we know the license plate scanners are being used to keep people within their cities in Oxfordshire. Um, Utah has also now, Dan McKay, passed a bill forcing um, license plate scanning. Uh, we have Thatcher who passed the facial recognition bill. So we now have forced facial recognition through all the cameras and radar systems throughout Utah, and they are storing our images. And right in the bill, it states this, they are storing our images in what's called a criminal justice database. Um, so we've, and we've got the cameras and surveillance going up everywhere. They've just launched the drones. Um, so now the drones with the cameras will be included in our transport system. And you, you see that in China during the lockdowns in China for COVID, you had drones flying around surveilling, making sure that they were all in their houses. Um, and again, all this stuff can be really cool. And there's always, you know, good reasons for why they want to use them, but, um, you know, this is how we, we see red flags throughout history, and it's always either for our convenience or supposedly for our safety that they usher in these communistic regimes. And um, yeah, it's, I mean, we've got facial recognition, we've got cameras everywhere, we've got the license plate scanners, they are now trying to, the digital ID, um, they're now trying to usher um and they've got broadband going up all through our canyons now, which connects everything to the internet. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, I feel like there's a million things that I'm not thinking about right now that I'll remember later. Well, let but me ask you this. You mentioned earlier in the podcast, uh, Utah Ignite. Mm -hmm. I'm reading something here on their website about a grid. Um, I guess it's called a regional transportation grid in Utah County. Have you heard about this? They are, uh, I don't know if this is tying directly to what you are reading, um, but they are trying to put um, transit lines across Utah Lake here. Um, so kind of the stuff that you see in China and the futuristic high speed transit systems across the lake and, and all throughout Utah. Yeah, they're, they're very much so trying to develop uh, Utah County right now. Uh, Salt Lake County is a lot of the cities there are already smart and they've got they've kind of got the systems down in Salt Lake. But now they're really focused on Utah County right now, which is where I live. Um, but they're forcing the the transit hubs and these again, these these reinvestment zones of the affordable housing and transit hubs. Uh, but, yeah, they want to redo the entire grid. They want it all smart um, and they want the smart energy grid connected to it as well. Well, apparently, uh, and yeah, you're right, this is very focused in Utah County. It's talking about the grid and how they're praising Salt Lake's grid. I guess, I don't understand this because I don't drive, but I guess they want us to have freeway all over Utah County like they do in Salt Lake, I guess, where the freeway connects towns every five minutes or something like that. Yeah. Uh, they call this Mountain Land Association. I, have you heard of anything like this? Oh, I've heard a little bit of Mountain Land. I, I need to dig into them more. But, you know, we've got all these groups like Envision Utah, Utah City of League and Towns, the uh, Wasatch Regional Council, Mountain Land Association. It's, it's these private-public partnerships where, again, you've got stakeholders, uh, public officials. And here's the other thing. When you look at the boards of all these groups, we have branches of all three, three branches of, I'm sorry, members of all three branches of government. So we have legislators who are writing these bills. They also, most of them are, are heavily involved in real estate um, and are 
financially benefiting from these developments. Um, we've got legislators that are passing these bills, putting themselves on the board, uh, along with cabinet members from our governor's cabinet, along with lawyers and judges. We have all three branches of government. This That's not constitutional. We're, these branches of government are supposed to be kept separate, but you have legislators creating bills, policy, pushing, forcing this stuff through, and then they get to sit on the boards and bring their own companies and developments into this. Um, they've created these these special infrastructure districts, which it's just like the special district that you heard about in Florida with Disneyland, where they basically don't answer to anybody. They can exercise eminent domain, which they've already done in Salt Lake City, levy extra taxes. I mean, it's so these groups are this is what they're doing. And, these, and when you look at the boards of these groups, it also includes global members who, again, are tied to the World Economic Forum, United Nations, the Clinton Foundation, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Right? These are the people that sit on these boards. Um, Envision Utah. Uh, this is this is the kicker in, in Utah, really. Is all these groups are tied together. Um, but Envision Utah was created... I think it was in 94, uh, but Mike Levitt, one of our governors here, um, John Huntsman Jr., uh, these guys that have had, you know, been appointed in, in the federal government under people like Obama, the Clintons and Bush and worked for them. Um, they were ambassadors to Russia and China. Huntsman brought China into the World Trade Organization and he's brought China in through Utah and through our inland port here, which is a whole other topic. Um, you've got the Eccles, um, Mariner Eccles actually under Roosevelt helped create, he was part of the Bretton Woods negotiations where they created the IMF and World Bank. And they have, their family has chaired the Federal Reserve ever since. Um, and Spencer Eccles, I believe is his great nephew, um, helped fund and get Envision Utah going. They're, they're here local in Utah, but they fund a lot of what's going on here. Um, you And basically what they do is they, they have on their own website, they have something called the Regional Planning Guidebook. And this is a document on basically how to manipulate the citizens into buying into your agenda. And they do these surveys where they get the citizens to engage and tell them in their own words what's most important to them. So, you know, safety and security or work close to home, whatever, whatever we decide our priorities are in our own words. And then there's this paperwork guiding them on how to use our own words against us, um, they will, you know, whatever vocabulary we use, so like safety or it's convenient or uh, work close to home, these 15-minute cities works within 15 minutes, you know, safety, we've got cameras up everywhere. Um, they, they manipulate it and then they create these little scenarios where it's like you can either have this, this, or this. Um, and then they do these workshops where basically people think that they're choosing these these agendas for these 15 minute cities by putting chips on their favorite one. And I, the best way that I can kind of explain this is as you know, you're giving dinner to your child and you decide they're going to have, uh, they're going to have pasta. I'm going to let them choose if they want mac and cheese or spaghetti, but they're going to have pasta. Right. And, but you make them think that they are choosing this and it, it's a whole manipulative document. The 
University of Nevada, Las Vegas did a whole article on Envision Utah, basically praising them for manipulating Utah so well. And they call it the Utah model. You can look that up and read through that document. Um, but they want basically saying that this is the model that we should use to manipulate our citizens in all of our states to to build these cities and bring in this agenda. Um, we had a our auditor, we had an audit done on Envision Utah as well. And straight, straight in the document from our auditor, um, he stated that uh, Envision Utah doesn't, um, they, they don't uh, do things through policy necessary, although they do lobby for policy, um, but they basically force their agenda through incentives. Um, when you look at the board of Envision Utah, it's all the same members that, you know, are on the board of the point that are on the board of all these other groups. I'm, I'm going to assume Mountain Land Association as well. I haven't looked at it yet. But when you look at, for instance, Zion's Bank, um, Intermountain Healthcare, which is directly partnered with the World Economic Forum, uh, we have legislators and, you know, Spencer Eccles, again, Mike Levitt, again, um, but these people that sit on the board of Envision Utah, they're the board of trustees for all of these other groups as well that have partnered in funding this. So you, you start to realize it's the same group of people, but Envision Utah has gone around to every city, every county for decades and have been Im implementing this agenda uh, little by little for years. And when you look at who they're tied to, again, it's United Nations, World Economic Forum, all of these, you know, Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, all of these globalist groups. So I haven't looked at Mountland Association too much, but it's when you look at these boards and these groups, they all tend to be the same. It's the same groups of people. So where do you where do you find this article about uh, the UNLV praising Utah for this model and things like that? That is a document um, that was downloaded off of their site. And I, I believe the best way, and you know, I could probably send links to these and documents to you if you'd like, so you can post them up for people. Yeah, um, your, I'm going to have people, oh, you can't verify this or whatever. Uh, oh, go look it up, and then they don't. Yeah, but. I can absolutely send you all of this stuff. But uh, if you just Googled Las Vegas, or I'm sorry, the University of Nevada, Las Vegas, Utah model, it's there a link should come up for you to be able to look at that document i would okay. imagine and then uh what websites did you get the electric planes and things like that off of that is directly from our utah legislative website so lv.utah.gov cuz it's a bill it was a bill that was passed so it, it's now utah code oh okay it's, what's it's the website a law that again was... sorry say that one more time What's the website where you can get the bill on the uh, on the electric planes? Yeah, le.utah.gov. Um, you can even if you'd like to, you can type in HB, uh, one two five H uh, House Bill one twenty five okay. in Utah and just type in electrification because the a lot of the bill numbers have different topics that come up. They kind of swap the numbers out session from session, but HB 125 electrification, Utah, you can even Google and it'll most, it should come up as well. Wow. Okay. No, I'm just trying to cover our basis here because people are going to, Oh, you guys are a bunch of wackadoodles. <laughs> yeah. Well, they okay. like to make it seem that way. Yeah. I wish it was true. I wish we were just a bunch of wackadoodles that were just yeah, me too. theorizing conspiracies, but right. uh, no. 
Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, I've heard Glenn Beck talk about this, too. He has a book out now called Dark Places. It's a continuation mm-hmm. of the book called The Great Reset. Um, I yeah. haven't gotten it, but I would encourage you all to go get it, too. And I believe you. This this is real. I haven't. I want to check into some of this myself because it sounds so outlandish. But gosh, we've heard of outlandish things before, and uh, you know, yeah. if we look at all these documents. You yeah. know, it's a funny thing. Uh, going down the rabbit hole. Uh, ever since I've done this podcast, I this is the first podcast that I've taken really seriously. Because I've been doing podcasting off and on since 2006, but this is the first time that I've really taken it seriously. Let me tell you, I don't know about you, but for me, going down the rabbit hole is a lot like jumping in deep water and trying to get back to the shallow end. And I try to, I use the term getting back to the shallow end, trying to make sense of all this. It's a very daunting task. Do you feel the same way when you go down the rabbit hole? Yeah, it's not very much fun. No, it's not. <laughs> it can it's be very, very depressing. <laughs> yeah. Um yeah, it's it's not a fun thing and that's where I, you know, I kind of have to giggle when you know, it's all conspiracy theories and you guys are crazy and you know, and you're just looking for why would we want these things to be true? You know. Yeah. Um, and it is, it is, it's, it can be depressing and it can be dark, um, to go down that path. And uh, trust me, I would rather be up at the lake wakeboarding with my family, you know, doing, doing, fun oh things gosh, I would rather worry. be spending, uh, days, uh, evenings, especially on Sunday afternoons, which I often do. I would be, I would love to spend every single Sunday afternoon eating pork rinds and cheese crackers, a Ritz crackers with melted cheese, which I do, (laughs) but I wish I could do it every single Sunday and not have to worry about what's coming up politically. Right. Uh, I would love to just even sitting after dinner, a few hours after dinner, sitting in a basement, eating uh, pork rinds with cheese and pepper jack cheese and Ritz crackers listening to music off of a satellite dish or whatever, that would be great. And I do that a lot, but uh, we've got to make a balance here too. And once you go down this rabbit hole, it's a little hard just to sit back and relax. Yeah. Well, it becomes very clear very quickly what, you know, what it is that they're ushering in. And at, at this point to watch the chaotic clown show nightmare going on in DC and not to not realize that something is very seriously wrong, um, that our country is being taken down from the inside. Um, no. It's it's really ignorant at this point to uh, put your head in the sand and, and either think that nothing is wrong. Communism could never come here just because we're America. Um, we have other countries that have been trying to take us down for a very long time. And they've said that when they do it, they won't have to raise a gun. They will do it from the inside. And we are seeing it right now. And it is ignorant to think that, um, you know, it's not happening. It's happening on a federal level, but it's not happening on a state level or a city or a county level. You know, the World Economic Forum, Klaus Schwab, the CEO and founder, who his father uh, worked for, built equipment and and was part of the Nazi regime. Um, he brags about infiltrating government cabinets, how, you know, Justin Trudeau in Canada and how all of these people were members of his World Economic Forum Young Global Leaders. 
uh, where they basically run and infiltrate government and then implement their agendas. Um, he brags about it and he brags about how it's down to a city and county level. And we have people who admittedly are World Economic Forum Young Global Leaders um, on the BioHive, BioUtah Life Sciences, basically the group that has said that they're ushering in the, the uh, they want Utah to be the birthing place of the World Economic Forum's fourth industrial revolution. What is it with trend. Utah? Why Utah, not other states? <laughs> what is it about yeah. Utah? What about that? You know, I think there's a physical aspect to it. I think we're rich in, in resources and there's a lot that goes goes into this physically. But honestly, I think we're a very religious state. We're a conservative state. We're a state of God and a family. And if they can take Utah down, um, they've just tried to get rid of the Bible in our schools. We're seeing the the pornography rampant through our schools as well. We have, you know, pride. We, we have pride parades going on here where they have a booth set up um, uh, regarding the church and temple of Satan. You've got people going around with blood on their foreheads saying that they're unbaptisms um, and they're, they're chanting that they're coming for our children. Um, if you can take down the state, you know, the, the most religious state in Utah, most Christian state in Utah and conservative state, you can take the rest of the country down. That's, that's my honest belief. Well, I'm going to say this as somebody who is a member of the Church of Jesus Christ, Latter-day Saints. I believe in the basic doctrine of the Church. I have a belief that I'm not trying to convert other people. This is not an LDS podcast, but this is going to get to my point. I do believe that the Book of Mormon's true. I do believe the Joseph Smith story. I even believe that President Nelson is a prophet. However, when we hear talks like we have to obey the laws of the land, which, you know, we do, if we're going to prevent anarchy, but at what point do you practice civil disobedience? At what point, you know, and as long as the church keeps saying, we have to do this, we have to conform, we have to conform, at some point, and I'm not suggesting violence or any of that, but at some point, we've got to rise up. And yeah. quite frankly, I wish the LDS Church would talk more about the Constitution, just like Ezra Taft Benson, J. Reuben Clark, yeah. and many others did. Yeah. Uh, we need to go back to that. I, I understand the church is under 501c3 and all, I get that, but gosh darn it, it'd be nice if somebody bucked the system over there in Salt Lake. Yeah, I agree. And and trust the people here are very confused and upset with with church leaders right now. And, you know, I, I trust God. I he's he's working things out the way that he needs to. And, and I trust that. Um, but we are told that we're supposed to fight for freedom and for free agency. Yep. We came here to fight for that. We made a promise that we would. You know, Ezra Taft Benson, I don't remember the exact quote, but he did say that it is our righteous duty to fight tyranny. And, you know, the Bible and scripture tells us that we're to follow the law of the land as long as the rulers are righteous leaders and they're leading us in a righteous way. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, you know, the church has contributed to the UN. Um, we've got Russell Nelson talking about, you know, being good global citizens, which the yep. World Economic Forum is pushing good digital global citizens. Um, they've had talks about Agenda, you know, 2030 and the UN Sustainable Development Goals, where James E. Faust, I believe it was in 2014, I, I could be way off there, but he gave a talk warning us about 
sustainable communities and sustainable cities. And he called it the devil's phrase. Um, right. Was it a that conference was, talk or where was that? It was, it was a general conference talk. Yeah. I can send you the link to that, that talk as well. Um, but you know, we yeah. had, we, we've had church leaders who have warned us about this. Now, I don't know. I, I've had people ask me, you know, what are the church leaders doing? Why are they doing this? And I, I've heard all sorts of speculation of, you know, they're not meant to save to take care of each of our individual salvation. They're doing what they need to do to keep, you know, temple work and missionary work going. I've heard all sorts of different um, speculations as to why um, they're kind of singing in tune with the World Economic Forum and United United Nations. I know a lot of people are uneasy about it. Um, All I can say is we're at a time where we have to be in tune with Christ, whether whether you're LDS or whether it's the Bible, right, that, that you believe yeah. in. We need to be in tune with Christ. Um, men are imperfect. You know, M- Moses yeah. wasn't, Aaron, Aaron helped them build a golden calf. You know, Moses's people, I mean, prophets throughout history, they've made mistakes. They are men. And we are told that we need to be so in tune with Christ and have our own personal revolution in these last days, we're told in revelations, he will send strong delusions and even the very elect will be deceived. It is so important to be in tune with Christ so that we have that discernment. We can read through the lines um, and we don't have to rely on, on, you know, prophets who are men. They are, are men who make mistakes um, on them for, for our salvation and for, for knowing the the path that we need to take and and we were we have been warned we've been warned all throughout the bible all throughout scripture um through previous prophets and and members of the quorums um we've been warned for a very long time that this would happen we were told the very elect would be deceived and i think we're at that time where god is separating the wheats from the tares within his church um, and, yeah. you know, and I've even had this thought, maybe he needs the blinders on his prophet right now so that he can separate the wheat from the tares. How much of us actually have a relationship with Christ outside of following what the prophet says to do? Really, really reflect on that. And um, how close of a relationship do you have with him? And can you see through the deception um, because you're so in tune with him? Um, and that would be my response is we don't, you know, Rather than putting our trust in men, we need to trust him. We need to trust Amen to God. that. Sometimes bad things can happen, and the Lord will work it out in the end. I really believe that. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. and I, I know it's easier said than done. I'm talking to myself as well. Uh, anything else you want to... Oh, oh, I was going to go back to smart cities real quick. Yeah. Because I read a uh, an interesting article, and I want your uh, – I'm not going to read this whole thing, but I want your viewpoint about this. This is what makes smart cities successful. <laughs> Number one is government, and I think it was particularly referring to local and state government. Number two is industry. Number three is oh, – I can't read my own writing. Um. I can't remember what number three is. I I, I spelled it E-N-T-E-R-P-E-R-E-N-E-U-R-S. I have no idea what that is. Uh, startups. I don't know what that. Sorry, I can't read oh, my own writing. That's, it's it's probably they mean you know these nonprofits and NGOs that are part of these you know public private partnerships. Yeah, it could be number five is academic. 
Number <laughs> six is create and arts, creators and art, creators and artists. And number yeah. seven is advocates in the social society or in the, yeah. Uh, oh, uh, in the social sector. And then uh, number seven is residents, residents. And then it just goes on to talk about how there should be, you know, the end of technology business, business people will be good because they have capital. Um, academics will be good at people in academia because they can do all these research projects and find out what works best, how people are the residents work. And it's all kind of intertwined together. Uh, the, the residents will be good because they're the ones that will live there. The arts, the artists and creators will be good because they can have a say in the venues. What do you say about all this? Uh so, because they know, actually, let me uh, continue real quick. They actually say that the most successful smart cities are currently right now are in San Antonio, <laughs> San Diego, and Cleveland, Ohio. So, Carrie, Guys, so what do you make of all this? Don't we want to be just like California and these radical left states, guys? I mean, that should say it all. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, interesting, like the industry, right? Again, a lot of this is the companies and the nonprofit organizations that are partnered with government. But when you look at who sits on the boards of or owns these, you know, real estate development or technology companies or what have you, it's all people who are financially benefiting, right? Who, who get to sit as stakeholders on these boards with government. I think the biggest thing for me is you know, government, government should, yeah. you know, government was never, our founding fathers never wanted government to be involved in rationing our water and our water and our energy and what kind of resources we were allowed to use from, from the, from the earth, right. That God gave us domain over and how and when we can travel. And they were never meant to be involved in every little aspect of our life like this, but they've taken on that role. And I think it's dangerous to say that government should be so involved with this. Um, the, you know, the arts and the culture, we're seeing here that it's been China that's influencing our arts and culture here. Again, they made close ties and friendships with Utah legislators. Um, they had our, our kids here in Utah. There were some schools that wrote letters to, um, um, I can't think of his name right now, the, uh, the uh, communist leader in China. Uh, oh, Jinping. I don't know. Um, Jinping. Uh, they they had him uh, the students writing letters to him calling him I think it was grandpa um, thanking him um, so we we're seeing a lot of this communist you know China culture infiltrate so when they when they talk about the arts and creators I mean there's even just the LED lighting system and sensors that they're setting up in the uh, and it's this like art display of all the LED lights throughout lighting up the city um, in these smart cities. There's a whole document. It's called Cities Alive. Um, and it's another white paper where they talk about using um, LED lighting as a form of basically brain control. I mean, it's in their own documents, um, but how how they can use it to influence behavior of the people within the city and shape behavior. Um, as far as the, you know, social advocates and social 
environments. There are papers on social and racial and environmental justice. And this, you know, racial justice, social justice, this is where we see the, you know, wanting kids to be able to mutilate themselves at the age of 12, social justice, um, racial justice is this whole reparations, critical race theory. Uh, so when I hear, you know, advocates and advocacy, I mean, they have, um, it's called GLSN or GLSEN. It's a whole paper on allyship um, for teachers in the schools. Um, and they put up these things called safe space stickers. This is a safe space. Well, they're giving them out to teachers and business owners to stick up in their windows so the kids know that if they can't talk to their parents about their sexuality um, at home, this is a safe place to do it. So now we're inviting kids into businesses to talk to complete strangers about their, you know, sec you know sexual lives. <laughs> As kids and teenagers, they're talking to their teenagers and uh, I'm sorry, their teachers about it. And they're told not to talk to their parents because their parents won't understand. And this is going on in our schools right now. And it's creating basically creating this allyship between the teachers and the students and um, uh, recruiting the students basically to be advocates to advocate for changing their entire schools to you know be a more LGBTQ you know plus friendly. Uh, school and environment. Um, so when I hear advocacy in social environments, that's what I think of this mm -hmm. social justice, environmental justice. Um, so a lot of this stuff, again, they, they fluff it up with pretty words. Uh, they make it sound great, but there's, when you actually dig into what is, what the reality of what is happening right now, there is a darker twisted agenda to a lot of these phrases and a lot of the things that that they want um you know the digital digital citizen so i think one of the things you mentioned was oh academic yes why do we need smart why is it so important to be part of a, academics to be part of a smart city what is what does teaching our kids reading writing and arithmetic have to do with a smart city unless you start to realize that they're teaching kids that they are global digital citizens, part of this World Economic Forum agenda, and that they want the kids attached to these digital devices. They're teaching them to be their own, uh, creating social media accounts at school and becoming, uh, you know, social social justice advocates on there. Um, they are teaching them to become their own fact checkers. And they say that it's unbiased and it's, which is not the school's business to do. Um, but they're saying that it's unbiased and it's neutral. But when you look at their documents, you go a few pages down. Well, they give the kids examples of, of people who spread misinformation and Tucker Carlson's in there. And so there's a, very much so a lot of indoctrination that go into these systems. They want the kids on these digital devices pulled into social media. Um, it's yeah yeah and again local state you mentioned federal and local state levels should be involved again where we're seeing all three branches of government come together to serve on boards together on an executive branch board it's not constitutional um and our our founding fathers saw these things kind of happened and they prohibited that for a reason our state and federal governments are supposed to be kept separate for a reason but you know, even in Utah, Brad Wilson, our Speaker of House, who wants Romney's seat, and he is one of the worst people I I think that we could pick. He's given a lot of our money to the Rockefeller Foundation, and not 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 a good guy to be leading Utah in my mind. But he passed a bill basically forcing local 
you know, cities and counties and local government to do these education trainings with state government so that basically the state legislature is going to be training them and teaching them on everything. Um, that's not the way our constitution works, right? The people in our city, our city council and mayor are supposed to listen to the people of the city and we take care of our own issues in our city. Same with the counties. But he's wanting this to be a state education boot camp type thing where he and he he specifically stated when he was presenting this bill, um, it's on recorded minutes, you can go listen to it. He stated that this way, everybody, all of our elected officials in the state, whether it's a state or local level, um, will be receiving their information from one source and one source alone. So science, education, all of these, they will be getting their information from one source and it will be the state that's educating them. This is, I mean, this is, we're, we're, we're watching power become more and more centralized. Um, and I, I don't, you know, for government to especially be part of every aspect of our lives right now and to play such a big role where they're, where they're almost dictating and mandating to us now, um, and to mix federal state local levels within that, I, I don't see anything good coming of that. Well, let me ask you this. Do you have any hope in Utah that this can slow down at least? I I don't (laughs) know that you can stop it, but do you have any hope that this will at least slow down? I think it's going to take the people standing up, and I think it's going to take turning off football and going to a city council meeting and making a stand. Um, But we have, you know, when enough people show up to the the Capitol, they back down. They do. we have to have thousands of people show up, but we have got bills shut down and we have got bills that we wanted passed past. Um, when you show up to city council, it takes maybe 15 or 20 people for them to get nervous. Um, but it is going to take us standing up, showing up, um, educating our public officials that don't understand what's going on right now. Um, and there is actually, you mentioned Defending Utah. If you do go to Defending Utah, um, Enoch has come up with a constitutional solution. Um, it's a nullification. Basically, at the city and county level, we can get our representatives to nullify, uh, basically null and void a, a, that, that, right? So for instance, the reinvestment zone bill that I, I told you was passed, where it forces the cities to reinvest in these affordable housing and transit hub zones, which is how they build out the smart cities. We are going to bring um, a nullification petition and tell them that we want them to nullify that we don't, we are not going to recognize that in our city. And these are the reasons, and this is why it's unconstitutional and we don't have to, and we're just going to shut it down in our own city. So he's got nullification. He has all sorts of constitutional solutions um, for us to try. Um, We can start there. Um, But I do know that as long as we are fighting again for, for freedom and for what our founding fathers who founded this country under God um, and for free agency and free will, um, as long as we're fighting for the things that, and to protect our kids in these schools, uh, fighting for the things God wants us to fight for, I, I know he's on our side and it'll work out the way that it's supposed to. So I do have hope. Um, I don't know how big, you know, of a difference will make, but you don't know until you try. Yeah, that's true. And I guess the only thing I'd be afraid of is uh, when you stand up for these to these people, you're now on an FBI list. People yeah. can get jailed. Yep. Uh, but that's the risk you have to take. 
It is. It is the risk that we have to take. Um, but, you know, it's what's the American motto, right? We would rather uh, die on our feet than live on our knees. And I'd much rather go out fighting for a better future for our children than accept the slavery that is that is coming for us, whether you see it or not, um, the slavery yeah. that they want for us. Uh, but we can't, you know, we fix there's not a whole lot we can do in D.C., um, but we can we can take control of things that we we can control in our own backyard. And it starts at the city level. The states take back the nation um, and the cities take back the state. So we can fight what's going on at a state level through the cities. If enough cities stand up and say, yeah, no, we're not playing that game. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, uh, President Benson even said it will not be Washington, D.C. that saves the Constitution. It will be local folks. Yeah. I'm paraphrasing. Mm -hmm. That's basically what he said. Right. Well, and we were given that power, right? When they, when they are founding documents, it, it's this, it was the uh, nation, but then down to the state, down to the city and down to we, the individual, we, the people, the smaller that you get down to the individual, the more power that we have. And it was set up that way on purpose. So I do think that we can put a huge dent in their agenda. Cause again, they're building out these smart cities from the affordable housing and transit hub reinvestment zone. So if we can just shut down public, the transit and the, or at least keep to a minimum, right? First of all, you're not going to mandate this. You're not going to get rid of our private vehicles and cars. We can have transit, but we're not taking over all of our roads with it. Yeah. Um, have a little bit of both, right? Um, but if we can shut down this high density affordable housing, which honestly, guys, it is not it is not helping to fix the problem. It's creating a big homeless and poverty issue. It's not affordable at all. We want to be, they're getting rid of, of owning private property, right? It's government owned and you'll be renting forever. If we can get rid of affordable housing and and uh, really cut down how massive of the transit system they want that to be, just transit and affordable housing, that's where they're building off the smart city from. Um, we can put a huge dent in their plan if we can just shut down those two things. But we have to show up to city council and we have to be willing to be vocal and, and fight. And what I will say is I know that sometimes it can be scary to be the first person to stand up and say something. Trust me, I I figured I was going to be called a conspiracy theorist and labeled crazy and all, you know, all this stuff when I decided to go on Jason's show originally. Thankfully, it was well received. And I think a lot more people are awake than we realize. It's just there's a lot of us that understand the threats and see the problems. We just need to find a place to come together. They want us to think that we're the minority, but we're not. Um, but if one person can just have the courage to say something, to stand up and give public comment and say something um, and just without fear of, you know, looking crazy or what, what you're going to look like, the backlash you're going to get, I promise you, once that first person stands up, the the mood in the room shifts and everybody else it's like this unwritten you know permission that all of a sudden they have to stand up they want to say something too once the first person says something everybody else starts standing up so just have the courage to be that first person um but i really do think that we can create a movement here throughout the states um, if we can get to our city councils and just start here right have have a unified goal throughout all of the states to shut down affordable housing and this mass you know, public transit only system. 
Yeah. Well, Chelsea, is there uh, stay with me if you can after this podcast, but is there anywhere uh, where people can get a hold of you? Do you have a website or anything like that? I do. Um, I was actually, I had created one a while ago and it was hacked and I've, I have um, a tech guy who's pulled it onto his secure server. So it's not quite up and running, but I am meeting with him. I met with him over the weekend. We're meeting again sometime this week, but it will be up and running soon. I will be posting, you know, my own videos and documents and links and where you can find evidence of all this stuff um, there. It's called utahcorruptionstorm.org. Um, so okay. it should be up and running in the next couple of weeks. But I also, you know, I go on podcasts with We Are the People Utah on Rumble and um, YouTube. And if you want to follow UtahFreedomCoalition.org for the guys out there, just remember UFC, UtahFreedomCoalition.org um, and DefendingUtah.org. I work, in a, I collaborate and work really closely with all of these groups. Um, and we're all working really hard to share each other's content. So you know, really, if you go to any of these pages, it'll it'll direct you back to to me and the work that we're doing together. You know, I had to have you on uh, the next. I had to have you on a, another time where we can talk about Utah's water. I'd forgotten all about that. Absolutely, yeah. There's a lot of stuff going on with the water. I don't think everyone's getting the full uh, full story. What's going on with our yeah, water? We've the got Great water. Salt Lake, I'm learning it. here. We've got water issues here in Montana that I need to cover. Well, Chelsea, it's been very nice having you on the podcast. And best yeah, of luck. I, I know we're going to keep in touch uh, on yes. and off the podcast. And I will talk yes. to you folks later. Hey, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the Rocky Mountain Freedom Zone podcast. If you want to follow us on Facebook, go ahead and do so at Rocky Mountain Freedom Zone. If you want to follow us on Twitter, Gitter, and True Social, you can do so at RKY Freedom. That's R-K-Y, then the word freedom. If you have a suggestion, comment, or you know of a guest that you think I should interview, go ahead and email the podcast. That email is RockyMountainFreedomZone at ProtonMail.com. That's RockyMountainFreedomZone at Proton, P-R-O-T-O-N-M-A-I-L.com. That's RockyMountainFreedomZone at ProtonMail.com. Thank you for listening.